here today. Uh, thank you for being here today. I hope that you feel the same way at the end of the service today. So we have two services on Sunday, the first of which is the Bible prophecy update that we do weekly. And uh, second service, which will be live streamed at 1115 for those of you online. And uh, those of you who wish to say, stay, you're certainly welcome to do so. Uh, we're going through James verse by verse. And today we're going to see that while we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, it's evidenced by the works that will always ensue. So looking forward to that. Actually, that's not true. I'm not, it's, it's, pray for me. Anyway, uh, those of you online that are watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we would encourage you to go directly to the website jdfarag.org for the uncensored, uninterrupted entirety of today's update. So with that, we're going to get right to it. I want to talk to you today about what now seems to be a full plate prophetically, as it were, in this last hour. And by a full prophetic plate, I mean every end times prophecy in the Bible, and I mean every single one, leading up to the pre-tribulation rapture is in play today. Every single prophecy in the Bible is in play as we speak. So what follows? in no particular order, is a list of such prophecies of which there are well nigh 100 such prophecies. I'll try to have you out of here about 2 p.m. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually painstakingly narrow them down to 18. See, when I tell you 100 and then 18 sounds a lot better, right? <laughs> so 18. I tried to make it less than that, no can. So here are those prophecies again in no particular order. And let me preface them this way, by way of an illustration. All of these prophecies that we're going to look at and by the way, uh, the link to this uh, PDF file listing these 18 prophecies with the uh, verses in Scripture will be available for download. But again, by way of a preface, and this is very important, please hear me on this. So these prophecies will find their ultimate fulfillment in the seven-year tribulation. We are not yet in the seven-year tribulation, right? You know that, right? Okay. So here's the illustration. If we're already beginning to see that which will ultimately find its fulfillment in the seven-year tribulation, starting now, then the question becomes, how close are we? 
So here in Hawaii, we use air conditioning, I guess on the mainland if you want, you can use heaters. But you know how it is that the closer you get to the AC, the more you feel the cold? The closer we get to the seven-year tribulation, the more this becomes prevalent and pronounced. So let's start with this first one. We actually have spent quite a bit of time on this one. Last week we talked about this one, hyperinflation and worldwide famine. This is in Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, and also Luke 21, verse 11, when Jesus responds to the disciples and answers their question about the signs of the end of the age. Famine is mentioned, along with pestilences as well. Number two, again, a prophecy we've talked a great deal about. It's this coming global economy, and what comes with it is a bio-digital mark without which no one can buy or sell. We'll talk more a little bit about this, but this of course is Revelation chapter 13, verses 15 through 18. Number three, the world's intoxicating obsession with the dividing of Jerusalem. And this is Zechariah chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Number four, this insatiable quest for peace and security, peace and security. This is, of course, 1 Thessalonians 5, 3. Number five, a striving for and enforcing of, I'm saying it that way for a reason, striving for and enforcing of a seven-year peace agreement with Israel and many nations. Daniel 9.27, very detailed prophecy, by the way, very packed, full, that one verse, which also dovetails into number six, which, interesting, is the rebuilding of the Jewish temple which the Antichrist will defile. Now the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians in his second epistle, the second chapter, specifically verse 4, talks about this in great detail, which also comports with Daniel 9.27. Doubtless you may have heard about the breaking news this last week. I did not have time this last week to vet the authenticity of this but it is thought that they've already started the process of rebuilding the third temple, as they refer to it. Now, again, <laughs> we know that there has to be a temple in the seven-year tribulation, and early on in the seven-year tribulation. Why? Because of specific prophecies like 2 Thessalonians 2 and Daniel 9.27, just to mention two. The reason we know there's a temple there, a physical rebuilt temple, is because the Antichrist at the midpoint, the three and a half year mark, 
will set himself up there in the temple and declare himself to be God. And he will commit an abomination that causes desolation. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, Jesus is warning the disciples concerning the Jews at this time. And he says, pray that your flight is not on Sabbath. Why? Because transportation, particularly in Jerusalem, on Shabbat, the Jewish Sabbath, shuts down entirely. Also pray that it's not winter, because that's going to affect transportation as well. Because this is going to happen, and when it happens, you're going to flee to the place that is prepared for you, where you will be protected by God for the last three and a half years of the seven year tribulation. Many believe, present company included, that this place is none other than Petra in modern day Jordan. I know many of you have probably been to Israel and seen Petra. Amazing place. By the way, parenthetically, let me say, it is believed by some that actually Job lived in Petra. It is a huge place, a very secure place. And for those of you that were with us during our study verse by verse through the book of Job, we also learned that it's very possible that Job preceded the patriarchs, which if so, that is Anyway, I digress. The last three and a half years of the seven year tribulation, the Jews will flee to this place and God will protect them from the Antichrist who seeks to destroy them. Number seven, we need to keep moving here. This again, very familiar prophecy, definitely in play today. It's in Ezekiel 38, and it's a prophecy about an alliance of nations that will invade Israel, whom God prospers abundantly. And what we know from this prophecy, though listed by their ancient names, is that at the helm you have Russia and Iran and Turkey and these other nations with them, and they will invade Israel for the purpose of taking what Israel has. What does Israel have? Lots of stuff, like oil, natural gas. How about this one? Gold. Oh, you have no idea. This actually ties into number eight, which again, a familiar prophecy. Damascus, Syria will be destroyed and uninhabitable, Isaiah 17, 1, and Jeremiah 49, verses 23 through 27. Now, I have long held to the belief and still hold to the belief that Isaiah 17, 1 and Jeremiah 49 with it, concerning this prophecy about Damascus, Syria being destroyed and uninhabitable, that it will be fulfilled simultaneously with, or at the very least prior to, the Ezekiel 38 fulfillment. And the reason I say that and believe that is because all of the nations listed in Ezekiel 38 are today at the ready in Syria 
specifically Damascus. They're all there at the ready, and they will come from the north vis-a-vis Syria. Number nine, great earthquakes will increase in frequency and intensity. Again, this is Matthew 24, verses 4 through 8, where Jesus is answering the question, and He talks about nations rising up against nations, and that there will be wars and rumors of wars, which is number 10, better understood as threats of wars. And there's going to be racial uprisings. And all of these Jesus likens to birth pains, which come in greater frequency and greater intensity. And one need look no further than just to the statistics concerning specifically earthquakes from the USGS, actually, believe it or not. Though they try to downplay it and deny it, no surprises. But I mean, we use the expression off the charts. That's an understatement. Earthquakes. Here's a chart. <laughs> exactly as Jesus said they would be. They would come in greater intensity and greater frequency. And then number 11, which is in Luke 21, verse 25, there's going to be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and it will be distressing to the nations who will be perplexed by the sea's roaring waves, speaking of what many believe to be tsunamis which are usually caused by great massive earthquakes. So you have this massive earthquake and then the tsunami that ensues. Number 12 is a tough one. Please be patient with me. I know you're very gracious to me. But it's concerning false teachers and false prophets. And this prophecy is found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. On Thursday nights, we're currently going through the book of Jeremiah, verse by verse. And I have to confess that it's been very, very hard, though I very much enjoy teaching the Old Testament, as I shared on Thursday night. But Jeremiah, I, I mean, it is so intense because there were all of these false prophets, these corrupted priests, and they were dealing falsely, as we saw last week in Jeremiah 6. They were dealing falsely, saying, peace, peace, when there's no peace. In other words, they were false prophets, corrupted priests. And oh, by the way, in chapter 5, two weeks ago, we read that, and the people love to have it so. Does that sound a little bit like what Paul wrote to Timothy about the last days? That they will not tolerate or put up with sound doctrine, but they will flock, interesting detail, in great numbers to those teachers. They'll fill up their churches. Why? Because they're telling them what their ears are itching to hear. Oh, it's all good. 
Jeremiah. No, it's not. Oh, it's good. Come on. They've been saying that the end is here for how many generations? Nah, it's all good. It's going to be good. Jeremiah. No, it's not. No, peace, peace. No, it's not. This is it. Again, just bear with me because <laughs> this particular prophecy is huge. And it's deceiving people by the masses. And now we're still talking pre-trip. Deception, which we're going to talk about more, is such that in the last days it will be a marker of the last days. In fact, when Jesus answered the disciples in Matthew 24 about their question concerning the end of the age and the signs of your return, the first thing on Jesus' list was not wars or earthquakes or famines or pestilence or any of that. Number one thing, first thing he says, don't be deceived. Do you get the impression that deception will be a marker of the last days? Speaking of Israel, Jesus said during the seven year tribulation that if it were possible, those days had to be shortened for two reasons. Number one, no flesh would, flesh would have survived it. And number two, that if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. And again, this comports with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which actually we're going to, I'm getting ahead of myself. So we're only on number 12. We need to keep moving. Number 13. In 2 Peter chapter 3 again, this time verses 3 through 7, <laughs> we have a very interesting prophecy about those who mock us for Bible prophecy. How ironic is that? It's actually a prophecy of this increasing mocking and ridiculing of Christians that believe in Christ's return. Not just the rapture, but the second coming, seven years later. <laughs> So when, not if, because if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you have people that are very mocking and even condescending whenever you bring this up to them. If it's of any help to you or encouragement to you, the next time that happens, just thank them. Say, thank you so much for mocking and ridiculing me. And then turn them to Second Peter and say, you know, you're in the Bible. <laughs> I don't know if you knew it or not, but actually you're, you're not only in the Bible, you're fulfilling Bible prophecy. Because one of the prophecies in the Bible is that people like you would mock people like me. Bring it. Okay. Number 14, we already pretty much talked about. But again, this is a hard one. Because in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 through 5, we're told that this will be a marker. And it's that people will not tolerate sound doctrine. And instead they will go to those who tell them what they want to hear. Peace, peace. It's all good. It's all good. 
nothing to see here, keep moving. Keep calm, carry on. Is that how the saying goes? Actually, we talked about this on Thursday night. Just again, bear with me. Over the last couple of years, I have to again confess that I've been, I've been just stunned. I don't, for lack of a better word, I don't know what other word to use to describe it, but I mean stunned that pastors behind pulpits aren't even talking about what's happening. It's like nothing ever happened. And I mean, I, <laughs> I have no words, which is a miracle in and of itself. I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. You know how it is when something just, I mean, catastrophic happens? I mean, cataclysmic, catastrophic. And then someone just carries on like nothing ever happened. You're like, what universe are you in? What, you, 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 you don't want to. Instead, they're, they're talking about stupid stuff. Stupid stuff. By the way, stupid is in the Bible, so don't email me, please. And, and I, I feel so bad for the people, because they're sitting in churches like that going, I'm sitting here listening to stupid stuff, and I'm not sure I'm going to have a job tomorrow. And you're not talking about what's happening. You're not talking about the implications, the connections, the ramifications of everything that's happening in our world. My wife and I, the, the other day were, let me breathe first. <laughs> we were having this dialogue about this very thing. And uh, I mean, her comment to me was, I feel like the last couple of years were surreal. Like, did this just happen? Is, is this really happening? Yes, it is. And here's someone that, and by the way, people who have never stepped foot in a church have stepped foot in a church because of what's happened. And they go to that church, and I think they're just reminded of why they stopped going to church. I mean, you're just going to tell me uh, and preach a feel-good sermon, as one so aptly called it. It's a sermonette for Christianettes. So I walk out of here feeling all perky and now. Number 15, and this is also in Second Timothy, this time chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This is very specific. In the last days, perilous times will come, terrible horrible times will come, 
And the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit goes on to list 19 markers. And I would encourage you, <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart, but I would encourage you to go through that list. Some of those words aren't in our vocabulary in our day and age. Of course, <laughs> our vocabulary has deteriorated <laughs> over the years. It's just unbelievable. Um, it's like we need to learn English again, certain words. I mean, in that list of 19 are things like people being treacherous. Well, that's not a word we use very much. Violent, lovers of self, disobedient to parents, slanderers. Whenever I think of that, I think of social media. How many people, their, their character is assassinated behind a computer screen on a keyboard or a device. Number 16, some will abandon the faith. And here it is, follow, and I want you to pay particular attention because it's very specific in 1 Timothy 4.1, deceiving doctrines of demons. Did you know that Satan has a, a doctrine? It's a doctrine of demons, and it's a doctrine of deception. And this prophecy is concerning those who profess faith, which again we're going to be talking about in James' second service. They professed their faith in Christ. They professed to follow Christ. But instead, the last days will be marked by those abandoning the faith and following these deceptive doctrines of demons. That is an update unto itself. The, the demonic doctrines being taught today are so deceptive. And I'm going to mention one. Right? Just, just this one. <laughs> Be careful here, Lord. Okay. It's known by the acronym NAR. It stands for New Apostolic Reformation. You know what this demonic doctrine is deceiving people into, into thinking and believing? That there's what they refer to as a seven mountain mandate where Christians, it's, it's roommates with dominion theology and kingdom theology, and it plays right into the devil's playbook. And what they teach is, this is so demonic, that Christians have to take dominion of the earth in seven arenas of life, education, government, religion, all of entertainment, I think they have fun with that one. <laughs> I mean, seven of these main areas in life, and Christians have to take dominion over them to usher in the return of Jesus Christ. I 
I'm sorry. I don't know what Bible you're reading. And is it no wonder that Christians, well-intentioned Christians, have bought into this notion? You, you know why it's so demonic? I'm going to explain this as simply as I possibly can. Because what it does is single-handedly delay my Master's coming. Wait. So you're telling me that Jesus can't come back until we take dominion over all of these arenas in life? Oh, and then you're also telling me that the onus is on me. Well, if I'm not mistaken, Jesus said, all ye that are burdened and weary and heavy laden, come unto me. My, my burden is light and my yoke is easy, and I will give you rest for your souls. The Apostle John said it this way, the commands of the Lord aren't burdensome. Man, if you lay that heavy trip on me, I got to get my guy in office, take control of this, take control of that, protest this, protest that, rally for this, rally for that. Sounds to me like the antithesis of what Jesus said when He was about to go to the cross and He said, you know, if my kingdom were of this earth, my disciples would fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. It, it kind of goes along, I had no intention of going this far with it, but maybe I need to. It kind of goes along with this notion of, hey, let's, let's keep this thing going. Let's make America great again. Let's make this world great again. Because why now? Because my kingdom is here. See, I'm not laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thief cannot break in and steal. My treasures are here on earth. My kingdom is here on earth. And I'm not ready to let it go yet. So I'm going to fight to keep this thing going. You'll forgive me, I just, I still have this <laughs> this image. I hope you don't tire of this illustration, but I picture people trying, the Titanic's like this. Forget the deck furniture. They're, they're trying to go down below and fix it to make the Titanic great again. And I'm over here going, this thing's going down, man. We need to get, let go, let it go, let it go. Here, here's the lifeboat of salvation. <laughs> you, listen, you're either going down or you're going up. Why do you want to keep this thing from going down? I want to go up. 
fact, you're the problem. That's why we haven't gone up yet. You're trying to keep this thing afloat. Okay. You know, and you talk to people about this and they, and I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ here, okay? And the only, ah, one last thing, the only question I have is, why don't you want to go home? Are you still tethered to this world and the things of this world? I mean, that's the only thing I can come up with that even comes anywhere close to explaining, not excusing, explaining why it is that you'd want to keep the Titanic afloat. Okay. Thank you for your grace. Number 17, God, again, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. God Himself, by the way, sends this powerful delusion to those who are perishing that they should believe the lie. Now, at first read, that would almost seem unfair, unjust, until you understand that they'd already rejected the truth. Their mind's already made up, their heart is already hardened, and their fate is already sealed. And God's just given them over to it, because God's never going to force Himself on anyone. You've already made your choice. You've re rejected the truth. So I'm going to give you over to the lie. Oh, wait, the truth? Yeah. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way to the Father except through me. And you've rejected that? Okay. I tried. Again, we'll, we're seeing this in Jeremiah. I mean the pleadings and the weeping and the, <laughs> that's why Jeremiah is affectionately referred to as the weeping prophet. Pleading with the people, come back, return to the Lord, return from your backslidings, repent. And they don't take heed. So, okay. Number 18, lastly, all the nations on earth will be deceived by sorcery. Revelation 18, 23. It's this last one that I want to spend the remainder of our time together expounding on by virtue of, well, I think for what would be deemed obvious reasons. But in order to do that, we'll go ahead at this time and end the YouTube and Facebook live stream. I'm going to do my best with the help of the Holy Spirit to 
keep this short and sweet. Of course, I don't know how sweet it's going to be. But I'll get right to the point on this one prophecy. And again, it's a prophecy we've talked about at length. And I want to start by drawing your attention first to Revelation chapter 18, verse 23. The light, this is speaking of Babylon in the tribulation. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. And here's why. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, hang on to that word, all the nations were deceived. All the nations? Yeah. Every nation on earth? Yes. That's what it says. All the nations on earth are going to be deceived by this sorcery. Yes. Revelation chapter 9, verse 21. And they did not repent of their murderers or their, here it is again, sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Again, just hang on one more. Revelation 16, verses 1 and 2. And there's a reason why I think we need to revisit this particular prophecy here. Verse 1, Revelation 16. Then I heard a loud voice, this is John now, a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and listen, ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. Now, why do I include that? Because, stay with me. This to me sounds like an adverse event. This to me sounds like a physical reaction to a medical procedure. Are we good? Now, why do I emphasize that? Because there are those who are saying that it is not a physical or medical or biodigital mark. No, yes it is. Yes it is. Because apparently when you get to Revelation 16, there's going to be this adverse reaction, physical reaction, and it's pretty graphic, ugly, festering sores. And apparently it's only going to be on those who had taken the mark. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. So what is this thing? Well, it's a pharmaceutical. 
That's what the word sorcery means in the original language of the Greek New Testament. It's the Greek word pharmakeia, or pharmakia, however you want to pronounce it. And it's where we get our English word for pharmacy, pharmaceutical, pharma. It's this sorcery, this witchcraft, this satanic, demonic component that is part of this deception. And if you were to ask me what I thought was the number one prophecy in play today that tells me that we are so close, this would be it. What about everything else? No, no, this is it. What about Israel? Well, I mean, if they are building the third temple, then don't buy green bananas, because you may not be around. I haven't used that one for a while, so I thought I'd... I know you know where I'm going with this, so I'll get right to the point. This points to a global deception surrounding a big pharma solution. As I was preparing my heart in preparing today's update, I was struck with this notion that deceptions oftentimes come by way of distractions. Let me say the same thing in a different way. So you've got this global deception, as we just read, global deception. The whole world is deceived. All the nations on earth are deceived. And if you really think about it and peel back the layers off of it, what you'll find is at the core of a deception is a distraction. Well, what do you mean? Well, if you'll kindly indulge me, I'd like to present another list, not 18 this time, so take heart and don't look at your watch, eight. And again, in no particular order, but these are just some of the many distractions today. Number one, the alleged, keyword Supreme Court leak concerning Roe v. Wade. Now please, please, please don't get me wrong. If, if they reverse this, hallelujah, wow, wow God, wow God. If you don't mind, I, I need to, and I asked the Lord about this yesterday and this morning. When it comes to abortion, which by the way, the common denominator with all of these distractions and the many more that we're not going to talk about today, the common denominator with all of them is that they cause confusion and division. So this is a distraction, huge distraction. Oh my goodness. So, but one of the things that I think is lost when it comes to abortion especially, and this is hard, on this Mother's Day, for those who have
had an abortion or been a part of an abortion. I mean, one would almost think that it was the unforgivable sin. It's not. It's not. God is a loving God, and God is a forgiving God. If you've had an abortion or been a part of an abortion, God loves you and God forgives you. And if you know Him and are born again of the Spirit of God, you're going to see your baby or babies again, soon and very soon, by the way. I think the enemy has succeeded in large measure within Christianity to paint this. And again, don't get me wrong, this is abominable. In fact, we're going to see this on Thursday night, Lord willing, in Jeremiah chapter 7. The Israelites were practicing this, sac sacrificing their children alive to Molech, which is a modern day, just repackaged, we call it abortion. But isn't it interesting, the timing of this? And now everybody is talking about this, fighting about this, arguing about this. So of course, I'm sure you heard, I'm so glad you're here today. That's what I love about you because I'm sure you saw the, the news. Of course, they got to keep gaslighting people, right? They got to keep fear alive. Fear, keep them afraid. Churches are going to be targeted because of this. Well, come on, come on in. Maybe you'll get saved. You need Jesus, by the way. Nice try, though. <laughs> you you kind of got away with that for a little while, didn't you, trying to keep people from coming to church. And then when you let people go to church, they couldn't sing, they couldn't hug. Come on. Number two. the upcoming midterm elections here in the U.S. Again, please don't email me. I mean, this is a distraction. This is a distraction to get us to look over here, and what about them, and this candidate, and that candidate. By the way, let me go on record, because this is a, an issue. We from this pulpit in this God's church will not promote a political campaign. So don't ask us about that, okay? And here's why. <sighs> Let me preface it. If God has called you in the political arena, you best be found doing that which God has called you to do. But from this pulpit, we are not going to promote a political candidate. Oh, but yeah, they're pro this, anti that, brother in Christ, praise the Lord. 
But my calling as a pastor, which is my privilege to be, is to preach the Word. Amen. Period, not comma. And if you've been coming here for any length of period of time, first of all, thank you. But secondly, uh, I'm out of this game. I quit playing. I quit playing the game. And all oh, the peace. Thank you, Capono. I surrender all. Oh, man. I'm so free. I'm so free. I'm out of the game. Go ahead, you guys, because he, he, you guys are fighting. I just, no, thank you. You're all arguing and divided. No, thank you. A house divided, Jesus said, cannot stand. The left and the right are two wings on the same phoenix rising from the ashes of chaos. Now, I, I, I quit. I, that's it. I'm not playing anymore. I'm not playing anymore. When this, this will be the last thing, and I, I got to say this, and I believe I have the Lord's permission to say this, and you'll forgive the strength with which I say this. But when are we, we, I'll include myself, as Christians, going to finally realize that no matter who we elect in office, what, that's the Savior? Oh man, if we could just get so-and-so elected, it's all going to be good. Peace, peace. Happy days are here again. I, is that too much? Sorry. Uh, didn't we already do that? Like, 30 years ago, and then 20 years ago, and then... Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Again, please don't email me. <laughs> Number three, this is a distraction. The ongoing war with Russia and Ukraine. I have to say that something doesn't smell right here with this one. Something just doesn't quite seem right here with this one. What a distraction. We talked about this a little while back. Very interesting. The abrupt shift in the narrative. It was like overnight. All of a sudden now, you're like, wait, what? Oh, 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 oh we're going to talk about this now. Oh, what about, what about COVID and the injections and the restrictions, and the, which is coming up, by the way, that's one of the lists. No, no, we want you to look over here now. Russia, Ukraine, whoa! You'll forgive me again, but if I see that Zelensky's face one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do. What in the world? He's a, who, uh... Yeah, but Pastor J.D., other prophecy teachers are talking about Ezekiel 38 and Gog and, okay, great, bring it on. But it's being used as a distraction. How about number four? <laughs> this is interesting. I, I was uh, quite astonished with this one. 
the announcement of the return of free speech with Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter. I'm going to lose a lot of Twitter followers again. Actually, the last time was like 5,000 overnight, just boom. I don't know if they got deleted or if they just, you know, left Twitter, but <laughs> do you really think, oh, so now Elon Musk is the, the hero coming in to, no need to fear, Elon Musk is here, free speech is back, happy days are here again. Okay, go ahead and post something on Twitter, on Elon Musk's Twitter. Let's see how that works out for you. Come on. This is, by the way, the same guy that wants to put a brain chip and a, a computer chip in your brain. So have a nice afternoon and happy Mother's Day. It's a distraction. <laughs> Are you guys okay? We're almost done. Number five, lifting of COVID restrictions and mask mandates. You know, let me just simply say that we still get requests almost every day for exemption letters, of which we've sent out over 100,000. In fact, I'm going to share a powerful testimony today in this regard. Um, oh, interesting. So all of a sudden now, and very abrupt, they start lifting that. We talked about one of the reasons, I believe, is to get us to go out and spend money we don't have and pay 10 times more for items that the store might not have. It's all part of the controlled demolition of the current economy. Number six, the Johnny Depp courtroom trial. Man, this is serious. Thank you for laughing. Are you kidding me right now? Well, it goes with number seven. I might as well just kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the recent Oscars. Okay. You know they're actors, right? <laughs> actors. You know what actors do? I know this is deeply profound. They act. It's all an act. It's all a show. Why? They want to distract you. Why? Because they're deceiving you. So they got to keep you from looking over here. No, 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 look over there. Look over here. Boy, Johnny Depp, I did, he's really aged. <laughs> I could, but I won't, because time doesn't permit. Number eight, the continuing investigation of Hunter Biden and his laptop. I'm going to end it right there. Okay. Question. What are all of these aforementioned distractions and the many more like them distracting us from? Answer. The demonic deception 
that leads to death and destruction globally. All the nations on earth, that's even now all beginning to happen. You probably didn't hear about this, so I'm going to tell you about it. When all of this was happening, and Johnny Depp and all this stuff, Pfizer did another document dump, as they refer to it. You didn't hear about it, did you? They don't want you to hear about it. They want you to talk about, well, what's, the, what's going on with Johnny Depp? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? Did you hear that, that Will Smith got like banned from the Oscars for 10 years? No. No. Yes. So this deception, this demonic deception of this sorcery pharmaceutical solution that's still killing people, by the way. In fact, it could be argued that more people are dying from this thing than they were before. Because it's a, it's a ticking time bomb. The clock started ticking. And people are dying. But don't, we'll, let's talk about Johnny Depp. Remember that movie, that one he was in? It's already happening. Closer you get to the AC, the more you feel the cold. Closer you get to the seven-year tribulation, the more you're going to see this kind of stuff. That which we're told happens in the seven-year tribulation, specifically in the book of Revelation, concerning the global population, it's already beginning to come to pass. And it's for this reason that the Savior would repeatedly warn about that which is coming upon the entire world prior to its fulfillment. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 29. It's also in chapter 13. Jesus speaking. He says, now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. In chapter 13, he says that you may believe I am. In other words, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. So when it begins to happen, you'll believe that I am the way, the truth, and the life. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 28, Jesus speaking again. Now, when these things, key word, begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. I mean, amongst the most, if not the most, comforting and encouraging passages of Scripture for the Christian, knowing that you're watching everything that's happening in the world. And it means one thing. <laughs> in fact, you might want to start, you know, looking up because He's coming and your redemption draws near. I want to end with Revelation 3.10 for this reason. 
it is so encouraging, written to a church, and it applies to us today as the church. Jesus has John write to the Church of Philadelphia, and He says to them, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world, all the nations on earth, to test those who dwell on the earth. Did you catch that? I mean, to me, there are specific proof passages of a pre-tribulation rapture, and this is one of them. This is the seven-year tribulation that's going to come upon the whole world. And I'm going to keep you from that. I'm going to take you out before that. You will not go through that. You won't be here for that because I'm going to keep you from that. You got a problem with that? You better take it up with Jesus, because He said that. Okay, here's the bottom line. We're either going to be numbered amongst those who are distracted and deceived, or among those who believed. That's really what it boils down to. At the end of the day, as we say, that's all that matters. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to this. Either you believed Jesus, or you didn't believe Jesus. And when that trumpet sounds, those who believe in and are followers of Jesus Christ are going to be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. Dead in Christ are going to rise first. Can't wait to see my daughter, Noel. We just celebrated her memorial. She would have been 16 years old. My mom, all of those loved ones, you guys, they're going to have their glorified bodies. They're going to rise first. And then we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet Him in the air. This is why we do these updates. This is why we end with the gospel. This is why we end with the simple childlike explanation of salvation with the ABCs of salvation. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you've sinned, because absent the admission of sin, why would you need a Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 is the sentencing phase, if I can say it like that. What's the penalty for sin? Well, the wages of sin is death. It's the death penalty. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then the B, which is really central, just believe, simply believing in your heart 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And the C lastly, very simply, is for call upon the name of the Lord. Or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13 seals the deal. All who call upon the name of the Lord, and I want you to listen to this word, will, not might, not could, not should, will be saved. That's it? Yeah. That simple? Yeah. Aren't you glad? I am. I'm glad it's childlike simple. Well, I want to share this But God testimony. It comes from Donna Cole, who writes, Dear Pastor Farag, last year the so-called Christian hospital that my son-in-law worked for mandated the jab. My son-in-law got a deferral letter from his pastor and from his cardiologist. The hospital accepted these letters. Short time later, an email was sent out stating that they were not there to make it comfortable for the unvaccinated. And starting Monday, the unvaccinated would be required to submit to a weekly nasal swab. He asked if the vaccinated would be required to have weekly nasal swabs as well, and was told no. He then told them that he would be refusing the swabs, because the vaccinated were still able to contract and spread the virus, and he felt they were discriminating against him due to his religious beliefs. They then offered a weekly spit test, which the vaccinated were still not required to take. My son-in-law again refused, at which time the hospital, Christian hospital, gave him 30 days off without pay. A few days into his 30 days, the CEO of the hospital called him and told him that the hospital was downsizing and they were eliminating his position. He was given an eight-month severance package. Our family was praying that he could find another job in health care, but without the jab. Possibility looked bleak, but God. I heard your sermon on March 27th about how we limit the almighty hand of our almighty God. I realized I was praying too small. I wasn't digging enough ditches, casting enough nets, or shooting enough arrows. I started praying, already thanking God for the job He had prepared for him in the healthcare field. My son-in-law's severance pay and family health insurance was due to run out on May 13th. That's this week. Praise God. <laughs> he started his new job at a secular hospital on May 2nd, last week, and is not required to get the jab. God is so good, and His timing is perfect. Thank you, God, and thank you, Pastor Farag, for your timely Holy Spirit-inspired messages. Sincerely, Donna Cole from 
Illinois. President. Well, I appreciate your patience. Let's pray, if you would, please join with me. Father, so thankful to you. Really impossible to adequately thank you enough. First of all, Lord, <laughs> thank you for the simplicity of the gospel, the good news of salvation. Thank you that you are coming, that our redemption does draw nigh. Lord, thank you for telling us what the world's going to look like before it happens, so that when it begins to happen, we will look up as believers, knowing our redemption draws nigh. Lord, I want to pray for anyone that might be here today or watching online, that has never called upon your name, believing in their heart, putting their trust in you. Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, and that they would not put off the most important decision of their life for eternal life. Please, Lord, I, I pray this. I pray this in Jesus' name, knowing that if we ask anything according to your will, we can have that which we ask for. I know you won't violate people's will, but please, God, for those who are not saved, Lord, I pray for their salvation before it's too late, please. And for those of us that know you, been walking with you, are looking for you, Lord, strengthen and encourage that weary heart with these words, as Paul would say that you're coming, you're coming soon, sooner than we could possibly imagine. Lord, come quickly, Maranatha, in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. At this time, my daughter, Sabia, is going to perform a Mother's Day song. So I asked my mother what she wanted for Mother's Day this year. And she requested that I sing at church. So I composed a song, and I hope it's a blessing to you all. She is cold with strength and dignity. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Grace Says generous and honor, beauty from Shine upon you 
Happy Mother's Day and God bless you all. <laughs>